Hello, everybody. It is your hostess with the mostest, Kendall Levin at the Kendall Levin at the next pod. Um, I am so excited to be here. And I know why all of you are probably listening because you've seen me post about my guest of the day. Um, Obviously, if you're watching this, you can see the sign right behind me that says Carol Baskin. But if not, my guest is Carol Baskin. Yes, I'm so fucking excited. Um, When this happened, it was super random. I slid into her DMs because I was like, who else is more iconic from like the COVID era of Netflix than Carol Baskin? Um, So (laughs) I messaged her, like not expecting a message back. I was like, you know what? This is kind of a moonshot. Sure enough, like almost immediately, she was like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Sends me her calendar. And I was like, so I put 15 minutes down. I put 15 minutes because I was like, I'm going to respect her time. I'll take 15 minutes and like, you know, we can make do with that. She extended the invite to 45 minutes. And I was like, oh, like what? Am, I only prepared like for 15, right? So I was like, all right, we're going to go to this as a conversation. Throughout my questions was like, all right, let's fucking go. And she was so cool. So cool. Um, you'll hear it in just a little bit, but I have a lot of people asking me like how I got her on, how much did I pay her, things like that. I don't pay my guests. Okay. Most podcasters don't. Um, literally slid into her DMs and same thing with Chase Demore last week. I slid into his DMs. He was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, all right, cool. I basically just set up like the business proposition aspect of it. Of like, Hey, look, you know, this is my following on TikTok. It's my following here and there. Um, basically framed it as like, look, this will be symbiotic, you know, very beneficial for both of us. You'll have a different demographic being marketed to, and I will be able to say that I had you on right cloud. Um, so it's very beneficial for both parties. So that's why a lot of people are willing to do it. Um, that being said, I, I promised last week that I talk a little bit about Chase Demore. And if you, if you follow me on Instagram, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you should, but, um, if you do, then you saw that I successfully met Chase last week. Um, literally like the day after we recorded, I saw on his Instagram story that he was going to be in Austin in like a day and a half. And I was like, are you kidding me? You might've missed that little point in our interview, but it's fine. So I like damned him and he was like, yeah, the Netflix open cast and whatever is coming. So I was like, I'll be there. So I um, went, I had an absolute blast, actually met somebody who's going to be a guest in the near future. Um, and it's, it was so much fun. And I got to meet Chase and it was funny, actually, he like went around with his TikTok, making TikToks with everybody. He was like, what's your name? Like, what do you want to try out for? And he gets to me and my friend Mackenzie. And I was like, oh, like I'm Kendall Levin. He goes, uh, and like pulls his phone down. He goes, I know you. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I know you. Why do I know you? And I was like, I interviewed you last week. He goes, oh shit. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and like, he just kept like coming over and like fucking with me and my friend. and was like being like super, just like goofy. He was a lot of fun. Um, and super fucking tall. Like you walk up and he's the first person you see. Cause it's like, here's the crowd. If you're watching this on video, you'll see my hands. Here's the crowd. He's like up here. Like he's so tall. He's like six, six or something like that. So yeah. Um, it was really cool. It was perfect. I got to post it on Instagram for the promo, like got a lot of downloads. I was like, this is great. It's a great day. Um, so obviously I couldn't meet Carol Baskin in person. So I had to do the next best thing. And I had my mom come up to Austin. My mom is currently sitting across the room from me. Mom say hi. Hi. And I was like, mom, can you please come up to Austin? Like, I really need help, like with some promo footage, things like that, that I, I just can't do it by myself pridefully. Like, yeah, I have a tripod, but like bringing it to a zoo, 
that's not the best idea. So she um, is the best ever super trooper momager, drives up here today um, to help me with footage. And so we went to the Austin Zoo. And I know what you're thinking. Austin has a zoo. Yes, Austin has a zoo. It's like way the fuck out in the middle of nowhere, but it's there and it's big. And they have like, like legit lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. <laughs> um, and so we had so much fun. We wore matching outfits as I'm sure you will see shortly on Instagram if you follow me at the Kindle Woman. <laughs> um, or her fabulous underscore Stacy S-T-A-C-Y. Um, we had hats and shirts and shoes, everything matched. Well, I also decided to make a TikTok <laughs> while we were there. And it was a like legitimate, like it deserves an award. Like it's cinematography, like it's just it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, here, I'll clip it in really quick. If you're watching this, you'll be able to see it. If you're just listening to it, I recommend you go to my TikTok and watch it because it's great. Carol Baskin. I told you it was great. Um, <laughs> we found like the best spots for lighting. We found like literally the lions. If you look in the background of like the last couple clips of me, like shuffling or whatever the fuck I was doing, you'll see the lions like just sitting there. It was so, so cool. And like the tiger that was there was rescued from a drug Lord. They didn't tell us which one, but it was a drug Lord's tiger. And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, so they rescue all the animals, things like that. Um, so I was like, how appropriate. It's like, I was like our little mini celebration of this episode dropping because it's been a big deal. Even my whole family is like super pumped about it, um, which is like really cool. I've had more people reach out to me about this episode than I have like in my entire life about anything I've done creatively. So it's a pretty good feeling. Um, also, if you're watching this video, you can see behind me, I have a tiger pillow and I actually have an inflatable tiger down by my leg and I have another tiger pillow and a... Uh, little backdrop that I bought from Amazon solely for the promotion of this episode. Well, turns out I really like these pillows in my apartment because they match the pink, like the, the little pink noses and stuff. So I'm keeping them. <laughs> They're great decor. Um, so shout out to Carol Baskin for that influence. Well, I am rambling on and I know you guys just want to hear me talk to Carol Baskin. So before I start, I just want to say she was absolutely amazing. Um, she was very genuine, very transparent, super, super willing to just be herself and, and spill the beans basically. So I do have some pretty classified information at the very end. If you listen closely, um, you might catch it. I think she accidentally may have told me something that you'll hear first on this podcast. So you're welcome. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, here's my interview with Carol Baskin. I hope you enjoy. I am so glad to be amongst so many cool cats and kittens. My heart. Um, how, how is everything going? How are you personally? What's, what's going on right now with you? Well, first thing in the morning, like super stupid early in the morning, I have to catch a flight to LA. We're doing the premiere for the conservation game film. And we're really excited about that. We went to the DC premiere and now there's an LA premiere and we'll be doing a meet and greet on Saturday there. And then it's playing in different locations all around the country, but I'm not going to all of those because of COVID. I'm trying to stay home as much as possible, but that was a, too big of a one to miss. 
That's amazing. That's such a cool opportunity. And to go all the way out there, I'm glad that that's even possible right now with how everything has been lately so shut down and to have that, you know, kind of sense of normality, I feel like has got to be nice with, with the premieres and whatnot going on. So that is so exciting. I'm excited to see pictures. I, I follow you closely on your social medias. You're very savvy, especially TikTok. TikTok, you're <laughs> blowing up on that. You're on my For You page all the time. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How is that? How's that kind of been with you? Have you felt like since, you know, post the show, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit, but post the show, have you felt like you've dived more into social media, leveraged that a little bit more? You know, from the very beginning of the sanctuary, as soon as there was the the possibility of posting a video anywhere, we were doing that because I felt like that was the best way to reach people was through video and then later through live videos. But I've always done it under the Big Cat Rescue banner. And so that's why Big Cat Rescue has like 1.3 million uh, subscribers on YouTube and I think 3.6 million followers on Facebook and it has a huge Instagram following and it's got a TikTok following. But when I was on Dancing with the Stars, they wouldn't let me use the corporate account. They said, you have to have personal accounts. And I had never done personal accounts on anything except for YouTube. And so I had to create all of those in the last year. And I've been, I didn't want to have my staff having to deal with monitoring those. So I've been doing it myself and it's like, oh my gosh, that is a lot of work. It's like just piling up on you. It's piling up all the plates. Well, you're doing great at it. I mean, phenomenally. And well, I've got one person that's helping me. Deb is just amazing at answering questions. So I couldn't do it at all if not for her handling all of that. Oh, shout out to Deb. I love that. It's it's always nice to have a little bit of help too, but still it's a lot, especially I feel like this came on so fast and correct me if I'm wrong, but everything I feel like all like as soon as like pandemic hit, the show was released it must have been a wave of like overwhelming wow with all of the attention and everything you're getting how did how did that happen for you what did that feel like actually there were only five days between shutting down the sanctuary due to covid and then getting hit with tiger king so that was a really (laughs) bad week (laughs) wow oh it was horrid um as far as how it was for me personally i i was so shocked that people had such a negative reaction because you know the people that we go up against these animal abusers, they've said nasty things about me for years, but nobody's ever paid them any attention. And after Tiger King came out, they did such a masterful job of creating a narrative that people actually believed that the bad guys were the good guys and the good guys were the bad guys. And I got so much hate mail and so many uh, really hateful calls and I was just shocked that people would be so cruel, one, and that they would believe what they saw on TV. And it's taken a long time for that to subside, but it's finally mostly subsided. So it was a rough year and the people who help us on social channels, I mean, they were just, they were working day and night to answer questions and to, you know, bring people down off of the ledge because they were just so angry thinking that we were breeding tigers and exploiting tigers. It's like, no, we've never bred tigers or lions or any of the big cats. We did breed some of the smaller cats for about a three-year period in the 90s, but not since then because we learned better. And so it's been an educational process since Tiger King came out to set the record straight. Wow. I was reading another interview that you did. Um, I believe it was with, I don't want to butcher the source, but basically you said that you were getting like two calls, like every five minutes or something along those lines where people were just calling and yelling and being profane and just absolutely berserk. Was that apologize. My dog is barking in the background. Um, was that 
you know, tough to handle with the family? How was, you know, how was that received across the board with, you know, your employees, your, your family? How, how did you like manage that? Well, I hate to take down, we used to have on our website, everybody that works here had a bio page and how to contact them because we've always been open and transparent and they were getting as many hateful calls as I was. And so I had to take down everybody's page except for mine, which I had to leave up there because I have to deal with like, if a bobcat gets hit by a car, I'm the one that people call. And in the past, whenever somebody would call me, they could call 24 hours a day and we'll go out there and my daughter and I'll run to the scene to rescue the cat anywhere in the state of Florida. Once those calls started coming in every two minutes around the clock, I, I had to turn my phone off at night because I couldn't sleep. It was ringing every two minutes and people from all around the world were in different time zones. And so it meant all of those bobcats that were injured or killed during that period of time, we were not able to help. Um, so it was hard on, you know, just being able to sleep and not being able to use my phone for anything because it was always ringing with somebody being hateful. And I recorded about three hours of those abusive calls and I took down screenshots of every single phone number that left a really hateful or threatening call in case anything did happen because I mean, it was bad enough that the animal abusers wanted to kill me before Tiger King, but after Tiger King, all of the people who fell for that narrative were in the same boat as people who were actually exploiting and abusing big cats that were feeling like they had the right to kill me. So I think it was harder for my family than it was for me. And if you can think about what that would be like for you, if somebody were saying things about you and you know they're not true, you're like, whatever. But the people who love you, it's really hard for them to hear those things without wanting to defend you. And so I think that was much harder for them than it was for me. That had to be incredible. I mean, especially to that scale, because I mean, the timing couldn't have been worse in your case, but you know, more perfect for Netflix to release it right as the pandemic starts. So it's like, no one has anything better to do, I feel like, than to find something to occupy their time and hate's the easiest, easiest outlet. And that is just, I mean, terrifying. I can't even imagine what your family went through. Um, how did your daughter cope? Did she have any sort of, you know, outlet? Did y'all just kind of, you know, stay together? What was your, I guess, the way that you expensed all of the, the negativity? I think it, like I said, it was a lot harder for her and people, she lives near me. And so people, because Joe and Jeff Lowe had put out there for everybody to see aerial photographs of where I live. Now, all of a sudden people are pulling up carloads of drunk people getting out and screaming obscenities at my front gate. And my daughter has cameras across the front of her house. And so she would see these things and record these things all the time. And it made her feel really unsafe because of where she's located. And I felt really uh, um, terror that somebody would mistake her for me. I mean, we look an awful lot alike, except that she's 20 years young, younger. And I, I would hate to have her bear the brunt of somebody you know, physically attacking her or killing her because they thought that it was me. So it was a really, really rough time. I can't even imagine. I mean, so where I'm coming from with these questions is I was severely bullied as a child, nowhere near to that magnitude, but I use that as an outlet with my podcast and with, with my followers on TikTok, things like that, to be completely open about, you know, overcoming hateful circumstances and kind of showing the positivity of there is a next side to things, right? And that's kind of where the establishment of this podcast actually came from was, was to show, you know, 
there is an X, no matter what you're going through. Right. And so to see that you have completely, you know, jumped that hill and overcome so much, I mean, in such a short whirlwind of time is just, I mean, it's inspirational. And so that's one of the reasons I think everybody was like, we have to know how she does it. And you're just so strong. And so we, you know, we admire you, we admire you and your family and how you guys were able to, to get through that, to cope with that. Whereas a lot of people I'm sure wouldn't be able to handle it as well. Um, well, you know, one of the things I said to my daughter and, you know, we've had this, we, we talk like this all the time. <laughs> I really believe that Jamie and I have been soulmates for eons and that we keep coming back into this planet as different roles to each other. And some, she may be the mother. I may be the mother. We may be husband and wife. We may be dog and cat. We may be all of these different things that we have experienced together over the years. And I think we continue to attract a lot of the same people into our lives. And I think that's kind of that feeling when you meet somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've known you forever. It's like, yeah, you have. It's probably been for you know at least the last 10,000 years you guys have been doing this together. And so as she was feeling like, you know, so upset that somebody could kill me and that she could be, you know, dealing with all of these, <laughs> the stress of running a sanctuary by herself and all of that. And I would just remind her, look, I'm coming right back. I, I'm on this mission to save these cats in the wild and to end the abuse of cats in captivity. So even if I come back as a five-year-old in your life, you're going to know who I am because we're going to be working this out again. And that's the way I think it helps to deal with all of this is I feel like I, I do believe that we are eternal and we keep coming back again to do the good that we came to come here and do. And it looks like, you know, if I were to weigh in on your life, which I know nothing about, I would say you had invited those experiences into your young life so that you could be helping all of the people that you're helping now. Because if everything's good in your life and everything's going along great, you don't really contribute much. <laughs> it's the hard things that really shape you into something worthwhile. No, completely. And I, I agree 100%. My mom and I are actually very similar to you and your daughter, it sounds like, is her and I are partners in crime, like nonstop. It was her and I my entire life growing up. So we've really bonded and we have the same kind of draw and passion to help others. She's in education. I took mine social media route <laughs> with, you know, with all of that being said, I, I read a little bit of your bio um, that you shared in, in the Dropbox. And I noticed that you had a very, you know, similar, if you will, background to a lot of very close people that I have in my life. Um, with, you know, hardships. And if this is too touchy, you know, this is not going controversial or anything, I promise. But, you know, it sounded like you had a, a pretty rough start to life, right? With with everything from, you know, issues with, with your husband or boyfriends and things like that, abusive relationships. But you seem to be so happy now. What what happened in between there within, within Carol, right? What happened, do you feel like growth-wise that, that really made you come out on top? You know, I, I would now say that it's because I understand the law of attraction and that we attract into our lives the things that we're thinking about, the emotions that we're feeling, and that's why it's so important to be happy all the time. But one of the real turning points was at a point in my life when I was not feeling that happiness and I was feeling so sad and I had tried to commit suicide. And when I jumped off the bridge in the Canal River and I thought the, the fall would kill me, but it didn't. <laughs> I landed in the water, came back up, and it was like, oh, for crying out loud, this was a dumb idea because the water was freezing cold. And all of a sudden, I hear somebody yell, 
something to the effect of, don't worry, I'll save you. And this drunk that had been up on the bridge saw what had happened, jumped into the water to save me. He couldn't swim a lick. And I ended up having to pull him out of the river. But what it did it, it to me was to realize here, this guy has absolutely nothing. He's living on the street. And yet he saw a situation where he could help and he was willing to give his life to try and help. And that so inspired me that I thought, I'm never going to be that person that has to be saved again. (laughs) I'll be the person doing the saving, not the person that has to be saved. And so I really made a conscious effort to be much more um, optimistic and not knowing how to do it back then. I spent more time just focused on working because I felt like as long as I was working toward a goal, which back then what I wanted to do was protect domestic cats and kittens from being killed in shelters due to overpopulation because I had heard so many of these cats and kittens were being killed in shelters. And so it gave me that focus that I needed to work so hard to be able to have the money to do those things. And then I found out about the big cat issues and I thought stupidly that I could fix that pretty easily. And here I am 30 years later, still trying to fix it, but I'm, I'm getting close. (laughs) You're making headway more so than I think anybody has ever made. So, I mean, you're doing it. This is, you know, you found your purpose. You, you're here for a reason, which is absolutely amazing, which is the fact that you found it early on like that too, after such a traumatic experience. I'm, I, you know, I'm sorry to hear that you had to go through, but I'm so happy to see everything that you're doing. It, so you're focused on the big cats right now. Have you ever thought about branching out to, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but to, you know, other animals like orangutans or, or other endangered species like that? No, and my, I've, uh it's always been just cats to me. And I never thought it would be big cats. It just was an accident that I ended up involved with big cats. But uh, if I fix this big cat problem, which I expect I can do within the next couple of years, then I do want to turn my attention back to the problem that we still have of so many cats and kittens dying in shelters because people won't spay and neuter their pets. And so the only way to do that is to offer free or low cost spay and neuter programs to people who can't afford it. And that's going to take a lot of money. So it's a good thing that I am really big on working a lot and working hard <laughs> because everything I do seems to cost a freaking fortune. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. What do you do, you know, in, in terms of funding? Like, is there, I know I saw that you got into the crypto space too, but what, what do you do in terms of, you know, getting the, getting the funding, getting the people involved? Every year, just for the sanctuary, I have to figure out how to raise between three and a half and four million dollars a year. And that's just to run the sanctuary. And so I, yeah, I have a real estate business that I run on the side. And that's, that's how I started the sanctuary was with the money from that. But since it took about 11 years before the sanctuary was um, financially self-supporting, and thankfully, it has been since then. So since about 2003, it, it earns enough on its own. But still, you have to figure out ways to do that. You know, are we going to offer sponsorship gifts? Are we going to have a gift shop? Are we going to sell on Amazon? Are we going to do all of the different kinds of things that we do? And when COVID hit, we had to stop doing tours because our tours are like 20 people that stay very close to a tour guide who tells them about the cats for an hour and a half. Can't do that with COVID. So that's costing us over a million dollars a year. And that was why I started doing Dancing with the Stars and cameos and all of those kinds of things was to try and make up for that difference. I can't even, I can't even imagine having to, I mean, literally hustle then to to make up for COVID. Our tours started back up now or where do you foresee that happening like in the future? 
the Delta virus is just crazy. And so there's no way that we're going to open up until all threats of COVID are gone. Because even though people can get vaccinated against it, the cats, and there is a vaccine that the cats can get, but just like with people, they can still contract the disease. And most of the cats at the sanctuary are very elderly. Whenever we do rescues with all of the other rescue groups, we always take the oldest and the sickest of the cats because we have the most money to be able to provide the best care for those cats that a lot of other sanctuaries don't have. And as a result, I have a population of like 50 cats that most of them have outlived how old they would ever live in any other facility. So exposing them to COVID would just be a death sentence, I think. Oh, that's got to be tough. I mean, I'm glad, though, that you at least have the outlet with Dancing with the Stars and with awesome opportunities like that, you know, to to compensate a little bit for for that. I mean, do you have donation sites? Do you have things along those lines that people are able to help um, that, you know, I'd love to plug anywhere I can. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. People go to bigcatrescue.org slash donate. There's any number of ways that they can donate. And like you mentioned earlier, we now have a cat coin on rally. We're in, we're doing NFTs. I just launched our first series of NFTs on foundation yesterday, and we got our first bid today on one of them. So the way the bidding works is once one person makes a bid, then it makes the bid or the auction go for 24 hours. So I'm really curious to see how that goes. I, I believe crypto is a very important hedge against all of the um, fiat money issues that we have. And so I want to have a strong base in crypto in case it turns out to be the only currency that's worth anything. I mean, I'm trying to get into it too. I'm still, you know, still learning, but it's, I, I saw that you had that and I was like, this is like wave of the century. You're always a step ahead. I feel like, and it, which it's working. So kudos to you and your team for that. That's, I mean, phenomenal. I saw all my friends actually were the ones that brought it up too, as they were like, you have to ask her about Catcoin. I was like, okay. How was your experience with Dancing with the Stars too, while, we're, while we were kind of on that? What, what was that like? How did you immerse yourself? Have you danced before? No. In my family, we were raised fundamental Christians. And so it was considered a sin to dance or to swim because that would surely lead to sex. And oh my gosh, <laughs> that would be like the worst thing ever if you had sex. And so <laughs> even at my wedding, I didn't dance. And then when they told me that they wanted me to be on this show and they explained the concept of the show to me. I was like, I have no rhythm, no, no ability to dance whatsoever. And they said, oh, it'll be easy. These dance pros are really pros and he's just going to sling you around out there on the floor. It'll look amazing. And turns out they really, the pros really are amazing. And a lot of that slinging around the floor is what it was. And it was just when my feet touched the ground that I messed things up. So <laughs> I, uh, I worked harder than I've ever worked physically to do something because the nice thing that that show gave me was an opportunity to talk about the cats and to talk about how we have to do things to protect them in the wild before we lose them altogether. And that was the thing I felt like Tiger King had so trampled on they had just missed the point about what was important there. And that was the cats. And so the Dancing with the Stars people told me that every week that I was on the show, I would have access to the media. They would do these little packages where they'd talk about the cats. And so I wanted to stay in it till the very end because I wanted every single week for people to be thinking about big cats. But despite everything I did, I just could not make it past the third show. I they were right in scratching me because it was getting embarrassing, I'm sure. They should have kept you longer, in my opinion. 
That is so great. The costumes, I mean, those were great. Oh my gosh, they were. Do you get to keep the costumes afterwards? I didn't. I really wanted them. <laughs> Should have been like, what costumes? I don't stick them in your bag. Take them home. <laughs> no, that is so cool. Do you see doing things like that in the future again? Like, if the opportunity presents itself, doing different shows and and other TV things. If they would give me that kind of platform to talk about the cats, then it would be worth it. Um, the one show that everybody seemed to think that I was going to be on and nobody even asked me to be on it was Help, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And I strive toward veganism. So it's like there's no there's no vegetable that's going to be so gross that people are going to tune in to watch me eat that. And so that's probably why they never asked me to be on the show. But it seemed, you know, once something gets out there in the press, they all start repeating it, even though it's not true. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I was never going to be on that show. I am working on a pilot right now for a series. And so it should be coming out, I think, in mid-October, maybe late October. And I'm hoping people will like it enough that it becomes a series. Which platform is it going to be streaming on for the pilot? I can't tell. Can I can't tell okay. the name or where it's going to be, but you'll hear about it because it'll be a big one. Good. Okay, good. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And as soon as it comes on, I will make sure to, I'll post like a little clip of this with it and be like, go check it out. <laughs> what do you see next, right? Whether that be five years down the road, kind of big picture goals, right? What do you see coming up? Like moon goals? What, you know, where are you in that space? What's your goal? Here's why I think I'm here. And I wouldn't have guessed this until just recently, but I think the only way we are going to save this planet is by saving the habitats where big cats live. And that's because we need fresh air and clean water, and we won't have those if we burn down all of the rainforests and all of the places where these cats call home. So everything, all of the stars have now aligned and they've all come together with this concept that is now ripe to actually be able to save the planet, I think. And what that would be is to put in, I, <laughs> you've seen camera traps of cats in the wild where it walks in front of the camera, but you're always wondering where was that cat coming from and where was that cat going to and what was going on because you can't see behind you and what was going on in the rest of the area. You can only see this little view out front. So I was talking to this group called Iconic Engine as a result of Tiger King and they had contacted me and they saw that I was in the NFT space and they reached out. And I said, you know what I see in the future are these 360 degree cameras that are streaming to the internet 24 seven and they're placed in the wild in these places where these cats live. And they are monetized so that there's like, just like you would pay for your cable subscription, there's a subscription feed that comes from all of these cameras. But say 90% of that money goes back to those local economies through a smart chain, a blockchain that can, you know, immediately as the money comes in, it diverts the money to the local economy for people that are living in India with tigers or in the Himalayas with snow leopards or in Brazil with jaguars. It diverts that money out to those areas so that those people have a financial reason to protect those habitats and protect those cats from poachers and from all of the things, all of the perils they face, because it's the biggest revenue source that they could possibly have. Burning down a forest and planting a garden that then three years from now is going to be deplete because it doesn't have the proper nutrition in the soil, that is what's killing our rainforests or all of our forests. And yet, if you're protecting those areas and you're making all of that money off of those internet feeds, then that's, 
that's going to give them a much better way of living than they could possibly get any other way. And then the other 5% of that or 10% of that would go to the zoos. Zoos say that they want to conserve the animals in the wild and that they're all about conservation. And a lot of people can't afford a $500 headset, but they could go to the zoo and use the zoo's equipment and they could see a whole grid of things with a heat map that says, oh, over here on camera number 28, we see that there was some activity. Let me take the joystick over there and see what's going on. You've got the headset on. You are in the wild with that cat right now as it's bathing its babies in the den site or it's down by the water hole or wherever these cameras are. And that's what really educates people about these animals is seeing who they are doing what they do in the wild. And I think it is a way of, um, it, it, it's a way of all of us appreciating each other for what we bring to the table, because people like you and me, we want to see these, and your grandmother, we want to see these magnificent cats doing what they do in the wild. And the people who live in these other regions may want the same kind of lifestyle that we have here. It's a symbiotic relationship for all of us. And it's all, the technology is now here and available for all of this to actually work. So I'm excited about that being the next step. And that's where I'm staying focused. I think that's amazing. That's so smart. And I couldn't agree more that, you know, being able to actually see and, and feel almost the immersion of, of being in their, in their life, in their habitat, and then the fact that you even want to filter it to help preserve their habitat and help, you know, amazing. I think that's a fantastic idea, a great goal. And I think that's not too far to reach. I think you are this close. I think that is something that is very plausible very soon. So, I mean, I applaud I you. Too. I love and that. You know, like with social media, when you're engaging with people and talking to people, you can do that in a headset with people that you know. It's like, hey, let's all go over to check out the cougars down in the valley tonight and you all go there and you're talking to each other and you're observing the cats and you're not intruding on the cats at all you're just a camera that's sitting in their space they don't care so i think it's going to be huge i think that's a great idea and i'm excited i just feel like it's going to come into fruition very soon so as soon as that comes out i will also take the sniff and be like i, I told y'all it's coming <laughs> you heard it here first right <laughs> The one thing that people can do right now to help us save big cats is go to bigcatact.com. If they type in their name and address, it will look up your member of Congress and it'll pre-fill a form, an email for you to send to them. It knows who they are based on your address. It'll send a tweet to them as well if you choose that option. And if you're really bold and you want to do the best thing you can for the cats, then you can actually call the member of Congress and ask them to support the Big Cat Public Safety Act. And we give you a little script to say. And the phone system will actually dial both of your uh, senators and your representative in succession. So you just stay on the phone. It'll let you leave the first message. It calls the next one. You leave your message, call the next one, leave your message. And if you're afraid to talk to somebody in person, do it on the weekends or doing it after hours. Nobody's there. You'll talk to an answering machine. It does it for you. There's no excuse not to do it. Therefore, everybody listening better do it. <laughs> <laughs> call to action, people. <laughs> that Thanks is Thank you. Well, Carol, I have enjoyed talking to you. I absolutely adore you. Keep doing what you're doing. And if there's anything that I can do to help, whether it be, you know, like we're doing now, just send out a message, let me know anytime. Um, and just keep it up. You're killing it. I love to see it. Oh, thank you, Kendall. Thank you for having me today. Stay cool.
So that was the interview. That was the iconic interview that you've all been waiting for. I hope it did not disappoint. I definitely think I tried to, to bump around, you know, some of the controversy, obviously, because I don't want to address that, <laughs> but I, um, you know, we got to some nitty gritty points. She was super, super cool. Um, and I really, really had a great time interviewing her. So, um, hopefully, I mean, she said she'd, she'd be down to stay in contact in the future. So maybe I'll have her on again sometime. Who knows? Um, but also I forgot to mention in the beginning, if you're watching this, I'm sorry, my ponytail looks like a rat's nest. I just noticed it while I'm watching myself record this because, um, I got really sweaty at the zoo today. <laughs> so, um, my hair, I was kind of in a hurry because I, I had been pumping up this episode really like excited for it. So I had to get it out in time. I have a lot of editing to do still. Um, so I was like, screw it, put my hair up in a ponytail. We're going. So, um, I also didn't realize how many people like to watch podcasts. I, whenever I put out a poll on my Instagram last week about like who watches and listens to their podcast, like so many people were like, oh, I prefer to watch it. I was like, oh shit. So I'm going to try to work with my camera and see if I can get things synced up right to get a little bit better quality video of myself. Obviously Zoom is Zoom. So we'll see how that uh, plays out in the future. Maybe I'll have some in-person interviews. I don't know. I actually went to Best Buy yesterday to go price some wireless mics, um, but we'll see. I'm learning and I'm adapting and I, this is blowing up a lot faster than I thought it would. So um, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to have to move quickly, but as I always do, I have to give you a little sneak preview of who my guest is next week for episode five. My first little hint, and I'll start promoting it and, and announce who it is on Monday, September 6th, but he is a big TikToker. There you go. That's your hint. And uh, here's a little clip. See if you can guess who it is. And uh, if not, make sure you follow at the next pod on Instagram. It is now private because it's exclusive to those who really listen to this all the way through to the end and, and want to get the, the deep dish. So if you want, you want to find out first, follow at the next pod on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, follow me at the Kendall 11 on Instagram and TikTok. I also post it very shortly after. Um, and if not, you will just have to see whenever it uh, decides to update you that I have posted an episode. So thank you for listening. I'm so excited. I'm having so much fun with all of this. And uh, I also have some other stuff that's, that's going to be uh, coming, coming into fruition soon, hopefully. But uh, make sure you share this on your Insta stories, Snapchats, whatever. Let me know what you think. Honest reviews. Give me your opinions. Um, tag me. I'll reshare it. I will do edit on TikTok, whatever you do. So at the Kendall 11, at the next pod. I love you and stay cool, you cool cats and kittens. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. And like, I never went public with why we broke up or anything like that. Like I took the high road through everything and smart man. I'm not, there's no point even saying anything else because I'm going to like, it's just, it's, I don't do drama for the most part. So then like her friends like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do it. So I call some of my friends. They're like, oh, you got to do it. It'd be funny. So I thought that's funny, funny as hell.